0: friends, as Robert said, we are continuing our series on the Sermon on the Mount, and at this point, <clears throat> Jesus is going to go into some very specific topics, things that um, on the outset we may think, ah, oh, that doesn't apply to us. But Jesus is going to work hard here to show us that you'd be surprised at how quickly it can apply to us. So with that in mind, let us pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. Help us do something good with it. In your name we pray, amen. I would be really interested to take an informal poll of a group of primary care physicians. And the question that I would like to ask them if I ever had the opportunity is, how many times have you heard the following words? Wow, really? I, I didn't see that coming. Diabetes, how did that happen to me? And the reason I think that it would be interesting to poll primary care physicians about this is because diabetes is one of those things that you can see coming. It doesn't just crop up on you all of a sudden, um, at least not type 2 diabetes, the one that's linked to the foods that, that you eat and your health. See, because a car accident, a cancer diagnosis, a random tornado coming along, blowing the roof off of your house, that's something that, that you could honestly say, I, I didn't see that coming. But there are other things in life that you do see coming, but you pretend that you don't. And I started with something like diabetes because my experience is that with people who become diabetic, so, so type 2 diabetics, is that there were warning signs about this long, long before they got to a place of official diagnosis. Type 2 diabetes is the one that's linked to your lifestyle behaviors, so most clearly your, your diet. And so there's chances that if if you had been to regular physical checkups and you've been checking in with your doctor on a regular basis there is a high probability that somewhere along the way any doctor who is worth their salt might have said to you long before you got the diagnosis that perhaps it's time for a diet change for a lot of people they, they understand the risk, they might even grasp the consequences, but it's just not enough to get them to change, especially when it's so much easier to just pretend like you don't know what's happening. So today, once again, Jesus is going to enter in with us into that vicious cycle that we've been talking about, that if you leave it unchecked, if you absolutely refuse to acknowledge it and do nothing about it, can land you in an extremely dangerous place. So we're talking about adultery. That's a married person carrying on an intimate relationship with someone other than their spouse. And adultery is something that you can always see coming, even if you make the choice not to see it. And Jesus is gonna provide us with those proactive steps that we need to take so that none of us is ever caught having to say, man, I, I didn't see that coming. Jesus says in verse 27, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. So here, once again, we're not going into new territory. Jesus is not creating some random new commandment that nobody's ever heard before. Everybody knew this. Not new information to the original hearers, and it's not new information to us as a generally accepted life principle adultery is frowned upon now there's a difference between what i just said and what scripture is abundantly clear about i just said that as a generally accepted life principle adultery is frowned upon it's amazing in 2018 how many people would be willing to argue that point with me, which is why I'm saying that scripture is abundantly clear on this. This is a, you shall not. Not a, you should not, or maybe not, or if, if circumstances lend themselves in the right direction, it's justifiable. It cannot be any clearer, you shall not. Under no circumstances, Do this, you shall not commit adultery. So Jesus isn't arguing what's already been well-established. Instead, what he's gonna do for us is show us how quickly how quickly any one of us can get sucked into that vicious cycle that if we leave it unchecked is gonna land us in a pile of adultery. Jesus goes on to say, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. First things first, remember the original audience here the original hearers, back in those days, the idea, just the very idea that a woman would have the ability to to commit adultery is kind of far-fetched, because back then, the identity of women was linked specifically to men, and so they did not have a lot of the freedoms that would have allowed for that kind of behavior, which is why which is why it became kind of an issue because adultery for the original hearers was really about stealing. It was really about stealing something that belonged to somebody else. But I just wanna be clear about this. In 2018, both men and women are fully capable of committing adultery. So the word is good for all of us. Jesus looks at this a little bit different. He's very focused on purity. And he's making a distinction between seeing someone as beautiful and admiring them or seeing them as someone that, that you have a strong desire for, that you want to make your own. And he's not messing around here. If, if you're the type of person who likes to hear a sermon that has some really fun stories that you can tell your friends, and then there's some jokes and some light-hearted kind of stuff, the Sermon on the Mount's going to be really tough for you because Jesus is not messing around. This is pretty serious stuff. And he quickly identifies the, the roots of adultery by saying that everyone who even looks at a woman or a member of the opposite sex with lust has already committed adultery with with her in his heart so let me ask you then does this mean that we all need to get up every single morning everybody put some blinders on just don't look at anybody just just don't look at anyone around you at all just so that there's no temptation well no we, we can't do that. That's not realistic and that's not practical. Just think about how many people you've already seen this morning, right? And driving to, <clears throat> driving to get here, you pull up at a red light, you look around, now, now you've seen other people. We can't go through life with blinders on. That's not a warning sign that adult, adultery is inevitable. The key to what Jesus is saying here, though, is that if you look at them with lust, now you've entered into the danger zone. Because now you've gone from admiring them and seeing their beauty to thinking, oh, this is, this is someone that, that I can have a relationship with. And once you, get, once you get to that place, you're a danger not only to yourself, but also to them because you might start the process of trying to entice them to enter into that danger zone with you. So there's a couple ways that we have to look at this. We can't assume that every teenage girl in the history of the world who's ever put up a poster of her favorite pop star is committing adultery. That is not where we're going with this because typically teenage girls aren't married yet and the chances of that crush moving on into an intimate relationship are extremely, extremely small. So that's not what we're talking about. However... What about men who are obsessed with the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition, right? Or, or, and and let me say this word out loud because it is a tough word and it is a word that we do not like to hear. What about those men and women alike who are addicted to pornography? See, now, now we have a serious problem Because, although the chances here again are also very, very small of an actual physical relationship developing, the images that are consumed through this kind of material, they can eat away at the integrity of your already existing relationships, relationships that happen in real life. So in basic terms, what happens is when you kind of engage in this behavior, is that you're taking your eyes off the prize, and that's your spouse. And you're undermining what marriage is and the expectations that go with marriage, and you're creating some false realities that that your spouse may not live up to. The trap is so much easier to fall into than you might think, and it happens to men, and it happens to women, One of the interesting things now is they're starting to study the use of pornography by women, and it is much higher than you could ever possibly imagine. So something that starts out very casual can snowball into something that has the potential to be devastating extremely quickly. And we have to be aware of it. We have to talk about it and confess it. We have to repent and turn away from it. It is not enough to say, yeah, I, I have an addiction to the swimsuit issue. You have to turn away from that because just to say it out loud without taking any kind of action to remove yourself from it means that you're still exposing yourself to it. And that's, that's when you get into that vicious cycle. But isn't that how most addictions work, right? They start out very small and then they snowball into something that wrecks people's lives. Well, Jesus never ever leaves us in a place of instructing us against something without leading us into something else, to behaviors and actions that we can tangibly take to avoid the sin that we're trying to, to not be a part of. So Jesus preached, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away because it is better for you to lose one of the, your members than for your whole body to be thrown into, the scriptural word here is Gehenna, hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away because it's better for you to leave one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, let's picture that for a second, right? Picture everybody cutting off arms and feet and eyes. But Jesus starts with the eye because the eye feeds our imagination. And imagination is a God-given gift, but if you feed... If you feed dirt into the eye, then it becomes dirty. And imagination becomes dirty. And all sin, not the least sexual sin, begins from a place of imagination. So therefore, whatever it is that feeds the imagination is of maximum importance to our kingdom righteousness. Not everybody reacts in the same way to all objects. But if your eye is causing you to sin, Jesus says gouge it out. Now, all preachers exaggerate to some degree. You know this, right? Yes? Pastors tell a story. We, we exaggerate it because we want to make sure that you get the full impact of, of the story. There is no scholar who is going to argue that Jesus was advocating that all of us become blind amputees. That is not where Jesus is going here. Instead, what Jesus wanted to convey is how serious this issue is and how seriously we need to take it, especially since we live in a culture that is starting to say, oh, well, it's okay. And under certain circumstances, and if you feel like it, and there were reasons, Jesus is saying, no, no. No, 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 this is, this is serious. And he wants the listeners to understand that sometimes you have to take drastic steps, steps like gouging out an eye or cutting off a hand, that they would be preferable. Those actions would be preferable than casting your entire life into the pit of hell. So there's radical actions that have to be taken to avoid the cause of those temptations. Another reason that we can't just assume that Jesus meant that we should literally gouge out eyes and cut off hands is that um, you could look with your other eye. You totally could. You can touch with your other hand. What Jesus is getting at is, is that we have to take some kind of initiative, though, to get rid of practices that cause lust. And for some of us, that's gonna be really radical action. So for example, if the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition causes you to stumble, you might have to go as far as canceling your entire subscription. If you have the propensity to find yourself just wandering over to pornography sites, then you might have to do something radical like entirely getting rid of your computer and wait for this, because this is like cutting off a hand, getting rid of your smartphone. Can you, can you imagine how radical that would be? So if you find that there's a certain waiter or waitress in your favorite restaurant whose mere sight makes you think thoughts that don't honor your marriage, then you have to avoid that restaurant, not just for a week or two, but for forever. Whatever it takes to get rid of those practices that cause lust, like leering, leering with imagination, um, sexually possessing somebody else or touching them in in inappropriate ways or meeting surreptitiously. Isn't that one? Oh, what a a coincidence. I just happen to be in the same place as somebody that that I've been thinking about who is not my spouse. And see, see how innocent that sounds until it's not, right? So there's this There's these actions that we have to take. Jesus isn't talking about a simple change of attitude here, but a command to actually change our practice. And Jesus takes this so seriously because he understands that there are eternal consequences on the line here. So for whatever your thoughts are on hell, whatever you imagine that to be like, even if you don't believe that there is an eternal one, understand this. There are people around you every single day, who live a hell here on earth as the consequences of their actions. They have destroyed their families, their personal relationships, their very lives, and the, through the things that they have done. What did, they didn't initially start out with adultery. They started out with something much, much smaller. And they ignored all the warning signs, and they ignored the vicious cycle, and then they landed themselves in a place that they could not get out of. So imagine this. Imagine if the doctor, if the doctor had the power to not just simply advise you that your health habits will lead to diabetes, but instead command you to change your eating habits. Now, that sounds intrusive, and we don't like that. We don't want everybody all up in our business. But if that was the case, if that could actually really happen, I would be willing to bet that we would significantly reduce the number of times that the doctor has to look at someone and say, you now have diabetes. Because we would change. So church, we have to do that. We have to guard our hearts and our lives very carefully. Throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is laying out all of these warning signs All of these little seeds that lead into something very big. And he's calling us to accountability and awareness, giving us everything that we need to live full lives. Those of us who've been around on the planet for a while, we we know that despite the warnings and the instructions, none of us, none of us is going to get it perfect. And that's where the grace part comes in. But grace should never be your starting point for sin. Knowing that you can be forgiven through Jesus Christ does not mean that you should ignore his words, not take seriously the information that he has given to you so that you can lead an abundant and full life, least of all his his discussions about sin. Because Jesus is teaching us that although there can be forgiveness and that there most definitely is grace, there are still going to be consequences that come as a result of our actions. The gift that Jesus gives us here is everything that we need to know to keep ourselves and others around us from suffering needlessly. When the doctor tells you that eating a Snickers bar for breakfast and a burger for lunch and spaghetti for dinner is not a good idea, newsflash, she's not doing it for her health. She's doing it for yours. And it's totally up to you whether or not you choose to take those preventative steps to maintain your health. But if after being warned, being given proactive instructions on how to avoid getting yourself into trouble, and ignoring everything that you've been told completely, do not pretend that you did not see the end result coming. Let's pray together. Holy God, it's tough. It is tough sometimes to talk about the really hard topics, especially those ones that in, in polite society, we just, we just leave to everybody's own personal business. But you didn't do that, Lord, because you love us. You love us too much to let us suffer the consequences. And so we ask, we ask, Lord, that if there's somebody in this room this day that is struggling with with this particular issue, that you would help them, that through your spirit, you would convict their heart to take that radical action that leads them away from behaviors that can destroy lives. Lord, we thank you that you love us enough to hold us accountable, to have the hard conversations, to get us going in a direction that is life-giving and full. In your name we pray. Amen.